Okay, if you would turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 6 is where we will be today. Um, just a little update on where we're at. Uh, we have, we've gone through looking at the different categories of people that are going to be involved in the, in the second advent of Christ, which is the church, the Gentile kingdoms, and Israel as the three, three entities that God is, is using this time to accomplish what He has promised to accomplish through them. Now, last week we talked about this uh, understanding the book of Revelation and its importance. A lot of people look at the book of Revelation and set it aside as saying it's not important. Either it doesn't uh, have any meaning for us or it doesn't have any literal meaning, period. But I would just remind you that... Um, when God wrote the Bible through his agents, for whose people that he chose to write the Bible, he wrote it in various languages, various times over the history of many, many years. The, Moses gave us the, the book of Genesis to give us an accurate and true understanding of God's creation and God's purpose in creation and, and the fall and all that that had implications to. So we learn from that. Then God gave um, the prophets in the Old Testament uh, and Moses the understanding of what he intended for the nation of Israel. And so he wrote most of the, the, the Old Testament writings was for Israel. And then when Christ came, we have the Gospels that, that tell us about who Jesus Christ is, what he did, what he accomplished, and we gain from that. And then he wrote the epistles through the apostles and their work of giving the instructions to the church on how we are to live and how we're to live in this time period. And then John wrote the book of Revelation as a culmination of all that where God's bringing to a closure, a conclusion of everything that he has, he has given previously from Genesis all the way through the epistles about his plan, his purposes for mankind. And so... You could say that the book of Revelation is, is, is written to the church and, and for us to have understanding of God's culmination, but it's also written for the people that live during this time that it describes so that they will have a written record of what, what's going on. And so those that are being saved during the tribulation will have scripture to read about and to understand what's happening at the time. So it's a very important book, and I think it's, very, it's, it's been misaligned very much uh, because of the misunderstanding of the nature and the purpose and, and what we're looking at in the book of Revelation. So first of all, I want to understand that there, the connection between the tribulation time, which is seven years, and the 70th week of Daniel that is prophesied in Daniel. Because these two chron chronological series of events are are given to us in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation gives us a chronology of the seven years that was promised in Daniel. So in Daniel it promises there's going to be one more period of time in which God's going to finish the culmination and the fulfillment of all the things that he promised for Israel. In the 77s of years that he described in, in Daniel chapter 9, and then that last seven years is in the future. And it deals with, this, with also the connection between the four kingdoms that were prophesied in Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7 that were going to be four Gentile ruling kingdoms that were going to dominate Israel. And so this last seven years 
co uh, coincides with the last of these dominating rulers of the Gentiles, which is the little, the little horn that was promised in Daniel chapter 7. It's the prince to come, Daniel in chapter 9. And he is going to be involved in this last seven-year period of Israel in which these, these prophecies are going to be fulfilled and carried out. So here in the book of Revelation, you have from chapter 6 to chapter 19, you have a chronology of this seven-year period of time. And so you'll see the same time references in the book of Revelation as you saw in Daniel, where he says that there will be a time, a times, and a half a time, referring to three and a half years, and that there will be a 1260-day a time period or 1290-day time period between the abomination desolation and the removal of the, of the abomination desolation. So you have these time frames that, set in, that, that put in place a true understanding of what the book of Revelation is. So from chapter 6 to chapter 19, you have the chronological sequence of events that are involved in the seven-year tribulation. Okay, So last week we introduced you to the, the seven seals that seal up the book. Now the scene in heaven in chapter 5 was that there was, a, there was a scene in heaven describing this book that was sealed with seven seals and no one was found worthy in all of the world to open the book. <coughs> except the lamb of the tribe of Judah. So the lamb of the tribe of Judah was found worthy to open the book. The book represents the right to have dominion. Chris talked about this morning, when God created Adam and Eve, He gave them dominion over the earth, and they lost that dominion, and they gave it up, and Satan usurped that dominion, or took it from Adam, and he became the God of this world. And so right now, Satan is still under God's allowance, the God of this world, because God gave it to Adam and, and Adam gave it up. But the second Adam is going to come back and take back that dominion. And so in heaven, you have this scene of this scroll or this book that is sealed with seven seals. And this book represents the right to rule the earth or to have dominion or the title deed of the earth. But it's sealed and it has to be opened. It has to be opened to bring in the kingdom age. And the thing that's keeping the, the kingdom age from coming in is the events that must take place in this seven-year period of time that was to bring about the fulfillment of the promises to Israel, which was the Messianic kingdom. So if you read in Daniel and you read in chapter 9, it talks about the 70 weeks are going to accomplish all these things, which is basically going to bring in a time of restoration and salvation and the kingdom age, and the Messiah, and all that was promised to Israel, they're going to be brought in by the 77s of years. And the last seven years is what's going to be the final culmination of that, which is going to bring in the kingdom age. So these seven seals are the entirety of the events that bring in the kingdom age. And it's called birth pangs because these events will give birth to the kingdom. Now the seven seals are not the first of many judgments are the first of a series of judgments. The seven seals are the entirety of the events of the seven years. Please understand, because most commentaries say, you read it and they say, well, you, first you have seven seal judgments, and then you have seven trumpet judgments, and then you have seven bowl judgments, and all these things go in, 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 a, in a sequence. But that doesn't really give understanding to the entirety of the book. What, what is better to understand or clear to me is if you understand that the seven seals are broken at the beginning of the tribulation and the events or the outflow from the breaking of the seven seals culminate or, or 
continue throughout the seven years so that the consequences of breaking these seals, each seal has an effect throughout the seven years. And we'll see that. Now, last week we looked at the first seal. And so Daniel chapter 6, verse 1, it says, And when I, and I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, As with a voice of thunder, Come. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. So when the first seal, and we talked about this last week, the first seal is, is introducing this last ruler of the kingdoms of the Gentiles. He is the little horn in Daniel chapter 7. He is the prince to come in Daniel chapter 9 verse 26. He is the one who is described as the Antichrist. He is the last ruler of the Roman Empire. And in the breaking of the first seal, he is given the authority to go forth and to conquer. And this conquering will continue with the entirety of the seven years. He takes him for the first three and a half years, he is ruling with, in conjunction with, a ten-king federation of the revival of the Roman Empire, that last kingdom of the four, four kingdoms. And for the first three and a half years, he is coinciding with, his, with them in ruling the world in this conjunction of hierarchy. And then at the midpoint, he comes in and he does the abomination of desolation, and then he breaks the, the treaty with Israel, and he kills three of those ten kings, and the other seven submit to him, and then he becomes a one-world dictator, dictating and ruling the world for the last three and a half years. So you see, when you break the first seal, you have the agenda or the program of the Antichrist, but the program continues throughout the seven-year period. So it's not like you break the first seal and it's done. You have the first seal broken and that judgment falls and that's it. No, it continues throughout the seven years. So just keep that in mind. You break all the seals at the beginning and then the outflow of the breaking of the seven seals continues throughout the seven years. Because the seven seals are the entirety of the, the things that have to take place to bring in the dominion. Any questions about that? Because most commentaries don't have it that way. They have a series of judgments, the seven seal judgments, then the seven trumpet judgments. And I will show you that the seven trumpet judgments all flow out of the seventh seal. So when the seventh seal is broken, then you have the effects of the seventh seal continue throughout the seven years, including the seven trumpets. And we'll get into each one of those as we get down the road. But first of all, I just want to make sure there's no question that needs to be answered before we continue on. Is there any time between the breaking of the seals, or just you said it's done all at once? Well, it's done all at once, but there's the first one broke, the second one broke. So there is a sequence, but it all happens at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. And we'll see that in just a minute, why that has to be. Okay, so verse 3. The first seal in verse 1 and 2 is the beginning of the program of the Antichrist. And then we'll see how that continues as we get into the chronology of the book. Verse 3, And when he broke the, the second seal, I heard the seven, second living creature say, Come, and another, a red horse, went out, and to him who sat on it was granted to take peace from the earth, that men should slay one another, and a great sword was given to them. Now, hold your place there and go back to Matthew 24. Now, if you understand Matthew 24, the, the Olivet Discourse that Jesus gave to his disciples was in response to their question, what is the sign of the end of the age? Or the sign of your coming again, the sign of the kingdom. And that's what their interest was, is when was the kingdom going to take place? And so what's the sign of the end of this age so that we can go into the kingdom age? 
And so Jesus is answering that question in, in Matthew chapter 24. And he begins in verse 4, and he says, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations on account of my name. And at that time many will fall away and will deliver up one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. And and because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for witness to all the nations, and then the end shall come. Now, some people believe that some of these events are prior to the beginning of the seven years, and they're, they're leading up to the seven years. But it seems to me to indicate that Jesus is talking about the entirety of the tribulation time when he begins this segment. Okay? So he first says that you will have many that will claim to be Christ or be, be misleading you. You'll be hearing wars or rumors of wars. And then it says nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will, be earth, there will be famine and earthquakes. I believe at the beginning of the tribulation time, you're going to have a complete deception going on. You're going to have lawlessness going on. You're going to have conflicts going on in various places around the world. You're going to have this one na- a nation against nation will be the gathering of the nations in a, in a formality of the ten kings conquering the world. So you're going to have the entire world involved in conflict. And that's what he says. Peace will be taken from the earth. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, when he's talking about the program for the church, and he first says the rapture will come, therefore you don't need to be worried that if you die before the rapture you'll miss out. And then the second thing he says, you don't need to be worried about going into this time of tribulation because the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while they're saying peace and safety. So prior to the tribulation beginning will be a time of peace and safety relatively. And we, 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 we talk about, is the world at peace now? No, but in reality, there's only two major places where the world is not at peace, in Ukraine and in Israel. But the rest of the world is fairly well at peace. There's not wars going on all over the world. So, it's, it, so there's going to be a time when it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah, where there's not a pending threat or pending feel that judgment is just going to fall upon us because the world's falling apart. At the time of the beginning of the tribulation, it will be relatively ti- a time of peace and safety, and people will be saying, you're talking about this tremendous judgment coming on the earth. Nah. We're okay. That's what they said in the days of Noah. We're okay. Noah's building this ark. He's crazy. He's out there in the middle of the dry land building a boat. It's going to be okay. We're not worried about it. And that's basically what's going to be happening when this tribulation begins or when the rapture takes place and the, suddenly the world is thrust into this time when peace is going to be taken from the earth. So first of all, we have peace taken from the earth. At the same time, you'll see the other um, seals opened and see the consequences of those. So the second seal is when the world is thrust into a time of lawlessness and conflict all over the world. Now, 
In 2 Thessalonians 2, when it's talking about the coming of the Antichrist, it says that the one who keeps that from happening, or the one who is hindering that from taking place, will be taken out of the way. In other words, the Holy Spirit is keeping the program of Satan and the program of lawlessness from unfolding to the extent that it's going to unfold during the tribulation. And when the Antichrist, I mean, when the Holy Spirit has completely brought in the fullness of the Gentiles and the church is complete and the church is raptured out, then they will no longer be, he will no longer restrain the coming of the Antichrist and the program of the Antichrist. Antichrist is described as the lawless one. And so when the church is taken out, then that program of lawlessness will become a, one, a worldwide program. In other words, it'll be kind of like it was before the flood, when every man is going to do what's right in his own eyes, it's just going to be chaos and lawlessness. And that's why you're going to have this imposition of these ten kings are going to try to control the, the conflict of the human heart, and they're going to impose a one-world government, and they're going to try to make everybody come under their iron grip of the one-world government, and then the Antichrist will take that over. So peace will be taken from the earth, and it will be a sense of continual lawless conflict all over the world. You will have individuals rising against individuals, and you will have nations rising against nations. Then he gave the third seal, verse 5. And when he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come, and I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand, and heard as it were a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarii, and three quarts of barley for a denarii, and do not harm the oil and the wine. So the third seal refers to famine and a shortage of necessary food. Now, this is not a sealed judgment that takes place at the beginning and then it's over. So you don't have a series of these, these are seven judgments and then you have a, some more judgments. No. The result of constant warfare for the entire seven years, the result of earthquakes and the trumpet judgments that destroy a third of the earth's vegetation and all this, uh, uh, all of these culminate to bring about a shortage of food. The judgments that are coming and the warfare that's going to be continual will bring about a worldwide famine or worldwide shortage of food. Okay, It's not one time where there's a shortage of food at the beginning and then it's over. No, it's a continuation of the famine that increases, increases all the way through as a result of all the other judgments that are coming. So you see that. So the third seal is opened up is broken, and so there you have a seven-year period where it's going to get harder and harder and harder to find food on the earth because of all the other things that are going on, including the wars and the, the judgments that's coming that we'll see in the trumpet judgments. All right, the fourth seal. Now, these first four seals are called the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and they're the ones that look, they're looked at as being the culmination of the judgments of God upon the earth. In verse 7, when he, heard, and when he broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come, and I looked, and behold, an ashen horse, and he who sat on it had the name Death, and Hades was following him, and the author and authority was given to him over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, and with famine, and with pestilence, and by the wild beast of the earth. So the fourth seal brings in the aspect of disease, pestilence, and death. 
And so as he breaks the fourth seal, it begins a program that is caused by the worldwide conflict, that is caused by the worldwide famine, and because of the famine and the lack of clean water and other things that is going to take place because of the judgments of God, there's going to be a worldwide pestilence. And because of all these things, it's going to be increased in the people dying from the animal kingdom. Now, the animal kingdom can be rats, it can be mosquitoes, it can be whatever form that is included in that. But of all these four things, the constant warfare, the famine, the disease, and the wild animals, one-fourth of the world's population is going to die during this seven-year period. They don't die at the beginning. They don't all die at the beginning. There's going to be other people that die from various reasons, but from these four things that are going on for the entire seven years, a fourth of the world's population is going to die in a period of seven years. So if you have eight billion people on the world when this begins, then two billion people are going to die in the, in the span of this seven-year tribulation judgment, just from these, from these events. And we get into the, the other events, and you'll see that there's going to be more people die, but just from these four things, there's going to be a fourth of the world's population that are going to die. And again, these are broken at the beginning, and then the effects of each seal judgment will carry for the entire seven years. Does that make sense? It takes seven years for people, to, this many people to die of famine, wars, pestilence, and wild animals. Okay? All right. Now, the fifth seal is unique and different. In verse 9, it says, When he broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the, underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had manifest, maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, wilt thou refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And there was given to each one of them a white robe, and they were told that they should rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, should be completed also. So here you have the introduction and understanding that during the seven years there's going to be a time of martyrdom of saints. Now who are the saints? Well, in chapter 7, which we're not going to go into today, but just to, to give you understanding, he, he breaks his progression of, of revealing the, the sealed judgments, and he says, oh, by the way, the saints that are being saved are being saved by the preaching of the 144,000 Jews that are sealed at the beginning before any of the judgments fall. Because it was what he says. Um, he says in verse 1 of chapter 7, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth holding, holding back the four winds of the earth so that no wind should blow on the earth or on the sea. In other words, no judgment is going to come yet. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God, and he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and sea. Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. And these are the 144,000 Jews. So we talked about this in the book of Romans. When the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, the church will be cut off from its mission of being God's representatives and the church will apostatize and turn away from Jesus Christ. The true church will go to heaven, and the false church, the Christendom, will stay behind, and they will reject Christ, and they will turn away from Christ, and they will in, in, enter into the, the same as the Antichrist, and they will oppose Christ and, and go from being Christian 
to non-Christian and the 144,000 Jews will be grafted back in and the Jews will become again God's ambassadors on earth. The 144,000 will be the first fruits of Israel being brought into the kingdom. So here is this 144,000 Jews that are sealed to preach the gospel of the kingdom. You read in Matthew 24 where the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world. It's going to be preached by these 144,000 Jews throughout the seven years because they're sealed and they can't be harmed by the Antichrist or any of the other judgments of God. So these 144,000 Jews will be preaching throughout the seven years. This first part of the fifth seal, which continues throughout the entirety of the seven years, in the first half of the tribulation, you have this worldwide religious system. Turn to Revelation 17. It's called Mystery Babylon. It's called the Harlot. This is the one world religious system that comes into being after the church is raptured and Christendom apostatizes and joins together with the other religions of the world. The only one that's excluded is Israel, whom the Antichrist enters into a covenant with to allow them to have their own Old Testament worship during the time of the rest of the world going with a one world system because Israel has already rejected Christ. They don't believe in Jesus Christ, so he's going to allow them because of the sovereignty of God has ordained that this is going to happen. They're going to build a temple and they're going to go back to Old Testament worship, but the rest of the world is going to join the harlot. Now, in chapter 17, verse 1, And one of the seven angels had the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on the many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. And upon her forehead a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered greatly. So here you have the false religious system that comes into power with the Antichrist at the beginning of the tribulation. And everyone must bow down to this false religious system. If you don't bow down to the false religious system and become a part of that, if you name the name of Jesus, they're going to persecute you and put you to death. So the first half of the tribulation, the saints are martyred by the religious system, this, this harlot. Now at the midpoint, the Antichrist comes into the temple of God in Jerusalem and creates the abomination desolations and destroys the temple worship of Israel. He also destroys the false religious system. Look in there in verse, in verse, uh, verse 12. It talks about the ten horns, which are... Or have their power with the Antichrist. And ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. These will wage war against the Lamb. The Lamb will overcome them because He is a King of kings and Lord of lords. This is talking about at the end, chapter 37, 19. But then He says in verse 15, And He said to me, The waters which you saw were the... Were that the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. The entirety of the world. 
The woman is sitting on the waters of the world, including all of the nations of the world. The Gentile nations of the world are going to join with this mystery Babylon in one world religious system. And then it says, And the ten horns which you saw in the beast, which these will hate the harlot and will make her desolate and naked and will eat her flesh and will burn her up with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God should be fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. So here you have this religious system that comes into being at the time of the beginning of the tribulation. There is a one world religious system that Christendom joins and departs from the name of Christ, and they hate anyone that names the name of Jesus, and they put them to death. Okay? At the midpoint, the ten kings have submitted themselves to the Antichrist. He's become a one-world ruler. And then if you re remember, we, we get there in chapter 13. He dies, he's brought back to life, and then he puts himself up as God, and then the false prophet comes into the picture, and they do this image of the beast. And then at the midpoint, everybody has to worship the beast, which is given his power by the dragon. So they're worshiping Satan, and they're worshiping the Antichrist, and the false prophet is acting like an unholy, holy spirit, and he is pointing them to worship the beast. And if they don't worship the beast, look in chapter 13. Verse 15, and there was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast might even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And then if you go to Revelation 20, and you talk about the saints that die at, after the midpoint. In chapter 4, it says of Revelation 20, and I saw thrones, and this is after Jesus Christ comes back to earth. I saw thrones, and they set upon them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark upon their forehead and upon their hand, and they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. They were beheaded by the Antichrist because they would not take his image and would not worship him as their God. So here in chapter 6, you have this unfolding of the fifth seal, which is a understanding that throughout the seven years, there's going to be a martyrdom of all of, of many that name the name of Christ. They will be martyred for their belief in Jesus Christ. The first half by the harlot, mystery Babylon, the religious system. The second half by the beast. But this carries out for the entire seven years. And those, that, those who survive, both Jews and Gentiles, in their physical bodies to the end, that are believers in Christ, will go into the kingdom age in their physical bodies. So the 144,000 Jews and the remnant of the Jews that is saved at the end, the third that survived the tribulation, will go into the kingdom age in their physical bodies. The Gentiles, the sheep and the goats, the sheep goats, I mean, the sheep Gentiles that are righteous, that survive and not, are not killed. Not everybody's going to be martyred. The ones that survive will go into the kingdom age as Gentile believers into the kingdom age. Any questions? We're going rapidly, but hopefully it's fitting together. Just um, the timeline with the, the Israelites accepting the covenant with the Antichrist and the sealing of the 144,000. The sealing of the 144,000 is at the very beginning. Before any judgments fall, they're sealed before the beginning. And so 
people say, people ask, can people be saved that have heard the gospel prior to the beginning of the tribulation, have heard the gospel, can they be saved during the tribulation? Well, the 144,000 Jews are all going to be saved during the tribulation. They're not part of the church, so they can't be saved at the time of the rapture. So they have to be saved immediately after the rapture. So God has elected 144,000 Jews who has not, their timing of their being born again is not now. It is after, after the church is raptured so that they will be the first fruits of Israel being redeemed, not part of the church. Any Jew that's saved now is part of the church. Any Jew that's not saved now that goes into the kingdom, that goes into the tribulation is saved, will be part of Israel. And these 144,000 will be the first fruits of Israel's redemption. So they cannot partake in that unholy sacrifice in the temple? They can't. No. No, they're going to be preaching the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And the Jews do not accept Jesus Christ. So no Jew that accepts Jesus Christ will be allowed to partake in the temple worship. Yes. Most of the believers that are being killed and martyred are Gentile believers. That are, they become believers by the preaching of the 144,000. Okay? All right. We'll go one more. How much time we got? All right. Let's talk about the sixth seal. Verse 12. And I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black with sackcloth and, and made of hair. And the whole moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. And the sky was split apart like a scroll when it was roll when it was rolled up. And every mountain and island were moved out of its places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Revelation 6, verses 12 through 17. So here you have a description of God using His natural creation to bring His wrath upon the world. And this will be over the span of a seven-year period, and it will include various times of of rolling out different traumas from nature that will be cast upon the earth. This blackout is not one blackout, it is several blackouts. These earthquakes are not one earthquake, it's multiple earthquakes. And they'll happen over various time frames. And will happen all the way to the end. So throughout the seven year period, you're going to have displays of this kind of natural judgments of God that flow directly where God takes His His earth. He has explosion of earthquakes. He has explosion of volcanoes. He has explosion of meteors coming down. All these things are natural phenomenons that gonna hurt, that's going to increase in a dramatic way in a, in, very, in a great intensity so that during this time people are going to hide in the caves and the mountains and saying this is the wrath of God. In other words, the entirety of the seven years is a display of God's wrath. Now it happened, it begins in the beginning and it goes all the way through. Now turn real quickly to Ezekiel 38. We're not going to break down and give the 
teaching on this invasion of this army from the north that is, that is covered in Ezekiel 38 and 39, but I want to share with you a couple things about it that are interesting. If you've ever read this passage, you, what you have is Gog and Magog, which is a title of a, a leader over people, and it says that there's going to be a, con, a, a, a gathering of nations from the north. It's going to include Russia, it's going to include eastern Germany, it's going to include Persia or Iran, it's going to include Syria, it's going to include Libya, and various others, Turkey, various other nations are going to join together in this, this conflict to come and to invade Israel. The question is, when is that going to take place? Well, it says that the, after it's over, it says in verse 9 of chapter nine, uh, 39, it says, those who inhabit the cities of Israel go out and make fires with the weapons and burn them in both shields and bucklers and bows and arrows and war clubs and spears. For seven years, they will make fires of them. So it's, it mentions seven years. The seven years, they're going to, the people that are in Israel and the cities of Israel are going to use these materials left behind by this army that invades them. For seven years, they're going to be using their materials so that they don't have to have wood to burn fires. They've got all kinds of stuff that they can use from this army. So that seven years gives you an indication to me that it either has to be seven years prior, I mean, three and a half years prior to the beginning of the tribulation, which doesn't make sense. And that way it would end at the midpoint of the tribulation when the Jews are fleeing, is, fleeing Jerusalem. Or it would begin at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation and, it, and, be, and they would use those materials till the end of the seven years. If you look at this, it seems like that this is part of the beginning of the conflicts of the seven-year tribulation. Now, people say, well, why would Russia invade Israel? Well, or what, what, is, what about the Antichrist and his signing of the covenant and all this? Well, there's two possibilities. At the very beginning, when the church is raptured out, either Russia invades Israel and God sends his judgment down upon them, and then the Antichrist steps in and says, I will, I will be your security. I'll allow you to have your own temple. But I think probably the Antichrist is going to enter that covenant with Israel, allowing them to have temple worship in Jerusalem, and then Russia and a federation of Arab states are going to enter in to try to overthrow that, and then God's going to destroy them. So I believe right after the signing of the covenant with Israel, I think these armies are going to come in, but they're not going to be destroyed by the armies of the Antichrist. They're going to be destroyed by God, and this is what I'm saying. So look in verse 20 of chapter 38. This is his God's judgment upon these armies and upon the lands that these armies come from. Verse 20, And the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and the beasts of the field, all the creeping things that creep on the earth and all the men who are on the face of the earth will shake at my presence. The mountains will be thrown down. The steep pathways will collapse and every wall will fall to the ground. And I shall call for a sword against, the, against him on all my mountains, declares the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother. And with pestilence and with blood I, will enter, I shall enter into judgment with him and I shall rain on him, on his troops and on, on the many peoples who are with him a torrential rain with hailstones, fire and brimstone. And I shall magnify myself, sanctify myself, and make myself known in the sight of many nations, and they will know that I am the Lord. Now that sounds kind of what they're saying with the sixth seal judgment, right? That they know this is a judgment from God. They see what's going on. The mountains are falling down. There's earthquakes, and this fire and brimstone is coming down from heaven. They know it's God, and so they're hiding themselves because of the wrath of God. So I believe that there's a very good correlation that this event happens immediately after the signing of the covenant with Israel. And this taking peace from the earth is part of this first warfare or act of war when this, this group of armies 
come against Israel, and then God displays himself to be God and destroys this army on the mountains of, of Israel, displaying himself and destroys this army. And after that, for seven years, the people in the cities of Israel will use the materials that are left behind. <coughs> so I, be, I believe that you could, very well, you could very well say that the sixth seal is, this is part of the opening of the sixth seal and the second seal when God takes peace from the earth and then God demonstrates his divine power in, in unleashing his natural calamities on the earth. And so in the sixth seal begins with a blackout and it ends with a blackout because if you go to Revelation chapter, I mean, you go to Matthew chapter 24, at the end of the tribulation, Matthew chapter 24, 24 verse 29 Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give us light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the power of the heaven will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. So that's a picture of Revelation 19 when the, when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords comes down from heaven and the whole world sees him. And it's when the whole world is darkened. The whole world is in a state of dark out, blackened by the, the sun's blackened, and you see the Shekinah glory that surrounds the, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords at the revelation of Jesus Christ in all of his glory, in his resurrected power, and he comes down to destroy the armies of the Antichrist, and the, the earth is mourning because they know it's over. They know their, their fate is sealed. So... That's what you have in the sixth seal is the seven years of God using the forces of nature to unleash his wrath. And these continue throughout the seven years. In various times, there's various times when there's great earthquakes, and we'll see those when we get further along. Now, there's one more seal. I'm just going to introduce it to you, and then we'll stop for this week. Um, there is, like I said, Revelation 6 through 19 is chronological. But throughout Revelation 6 through 19, you have passages that, are, that do not have to do with the chronology. It has additional information that it gives information. Just like in chapter 7, it gives information about the 144,000. It gives information about the, the martyrs that are going to be martyred in the, tri in the tribulation. It, it's not really part of the chronology. Okay? And so you get to chapter 8, and then the chronology picks back up. So the chronology stops in chapter 6, verse 17, with the sixth seal and the, 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 what happens for the, the seven years that come out of the sixth seal. And then the seventh seal is broken in verse, chapter 8, verse 1. And when he broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about an hour, and I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them. So here you have the seventh seal... And the seventh seal is broken at the beginning. And then out of the seventh seal flow the supernatural judgments of God. The sixth seal have the natural judgments of God that go throughout the entirety of the seven years. Now you have the supernatural judgments of God that flow throughout the seven years. 
And you'll see that the seven trumpets, and when we get into the chronology of the seven trumpets, and they begin at the beginning, and the first six trumpets are finished at the midpoint. So the first six trumpets go from the beginning of the tribulation to the midpoint at various times. They're not just consistently each trumpet carries it all the way. Each trumpet has its, his, its point and then the next trumpet. So we'll see those next time. But the seventh seal is broken at the beginning and the effects of the seventh seal, the seventh seal goes throughout the seven years. And it begins with the seven trumpets. And then in the second half, you will have the seventh trumpet, which goes for the entirety of the seven years. And you'll see as we get into that, the, the, the seven seals are demonic. I mean, the seven trumpets are demonic. They look at the, that the demonic nature of Satan and his use that God allows on earth. And you'll see that. And the last three trumpet judgments are called the, third, the three woe judgments. And the fifth trumpet judgment is an invasion of demons that causes a sore for seven months or six months. And then the sixth trumpet is an invasion of demons of 200 million strong who kills a third of people on earth. And then the, se the seventh trumpet, or the third woe, is the introduction of the unholy trinity. So in the seventh trumpet, you'll see that it's the third woe, and the third woe is the greatest of all woes because it introduces the fact that Satan's been cast down out of heaven for the last three and a half years. The beast has come back to life. He has taken over the rule of the earth. He set himself up to be God. The false prophet has come in and gives his power and his authority. I mean, he gives his power and his, his, his signs and wonders to cause people to worship the beast. And for three and a half years, you have the unholy trinity ruling the world and causing all men to worship them. That's the seventh trumpet, and that's the third woe. And it goes all the way to the end. And then you'll have, in the second half, God introducing the last seven judgments, which are called the bold judgments, and we'll talk about those. So let's stop right there so we have a little time for questions. And we will pick up next week with the rest of the first half of the tribulation, which will be the seven trumpets.